Up next on Truth For Today, as we begin a brand new series. Do you have enough Bible in you to stand? Or will you bend to every new wind that blows through the church and through the culture? A majority opinion. There's some people left that God and His Word still forms their opinion. Welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. We begin a new series today called A Nation in Moral Crisis. And it is indeed a a moral issue that we see around us, but it's not based and born out of a morality. Rather, it's based and born out of our absence of God's grace, as we'll see today. Welcome to the broadcast. This is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We begin in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. What will be difficult about them? Men will be lovers of self. You see, we cannot let God get in our way. Whatever I like to do must be right. So they love self. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness. This is what's scary. They stay in church. These conditions have always been in in every kind of culture. But I think he's warning the young pastor at Ephesus, Timothy, watch out. These people will be members of your church, perhaps. They'll be in the church. They'll be rabbis and community pastors that are doing these same-sex marriages. So it's really confusing. Where do they stand? Where does the church stand? Well, it stands everywhere. It's all over the spectrum. Uh, You're you're in a narrow, narrow theological church here because we think the Bible is the final word. And that makes us narrow. Can't help it. That's just where we are. If you want a broader base, they're all over the Bay Area. Uh, I'll give you some addresses. I've studied at some of their seminary libraries. Uh, They love pleasures rather than lovers of God. They hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. I'm going to wait on the Romans passage right now. Uh, Let me uh, make some opening remarks here. Uh, What's facing us today Uh, is a problem of epistemology. Uh, And that word, I think, will come up for you. If we can go to epistemology, I want you to learn a new word. Isn't that nice? I want you to know I know more than a one-syllable word. Uh, Epistemology comes from the uh, Greek word pistuo, believe, believe. And epistemology is a branch of philosophy that says, 
what determines what you believe? Uh, we all believe something about everything, right? And so uh, I believe uh, this about this. I believe this. Okay, this science and this study says, what brought you to that belief? What made you believe that? And if you go away to college, as our young people do, the first thing the prof's got to do is, you got to quit thinking like your parents because they didn't have it right anyway. Second of all, quit thinking like your church because they don't have it right. How do you want me to think like? Well, of course, your prof. And I'll flunk you if you don't, at least to get through this class. So the brainwashing is going on. And epistemology says, what has determined what you believe? And common sources of that very issue are uh, family. My family shaped my values. And it is amazing how much of our values and how we view life came from family influences. Okay? Peers, who I grew up with. Uh, if you're a 60s kid, if you went to college in our area, uh, no wonder it wouldn't bother you if they legitimatized pot. You went through uh, college through it. That's how you made it. Yeah, I mean, everybody in the Bay Area, come on. Uh, let's not be naive. Uh, we're right in the birthplace of a lot of this stuff. No big deal. Doesn't bother me. It bothers you old folks that got, got high on aspirin. But if you grew up on it, it's not all that bad a thing. And so there's a conditioning. Peers, culture. What's the culture doing? Because the culture can't be wrong. The majority view can never be wrong. And if it's uh, okay to kill Jews, we've got the majority vote in Germany. It's got to be right, because the majority is always right. Kill those Jews. Heat up the ovens. Because we got a leader that says a Jew is the enemy of the country, and they're all crooks. By the way, kill the gypsies. Kill every black and kill every kid that has any infirmity, for no German must ever be seen as infirm. Majority rule. And that's what Darwin said. Whoever is the strongest gets to rule. He's always right. My question is, when has the majority ever been right? I hear three Hebrew boys out on the plains of Sinai being told, if you don't bow to this image, you're going into the furnace, and I hear them say something like this, we'd rather burn than bow. For our God is not made of silver and gold, and we may be exiles from Israel, and we may be some Jewish boys down here in Babylon, O king, but go ahead and heat it up. We're not going to bow. I don't know if you've got that kind of backbone in your Christianity. You can't be a stupid Christian and have any convictions. They knew what they believed, and they stood for it. Will you stand? That's the issue. Do you have enough Bible in you to stand? Or will you bend to every new wind that blows through the church and through the culture? A majority opinion. There's some people left that God and his word still forms their opinion. This is known as Bible-believing Christians that are called bigots, are called uh, homophobic, are called all the names, 
And we don't want to be in any of those categories. But let God be God. Let him define for us. If we lose his definitions and lose his boundaries and we begin to make rules for ourselves, we will destroy ourselves and those around us. God's laws are good. God's laws are perfect. They're for our preservation. They're for our good. Let us just bow that he knows what he's doing about the creatures he made. So we trust him. We trust his opinion. He's not against us. He's for us. So uh, let's start with some basic things that I know you're just dying for a definition on because you don't know these things. What is marriage? That's biblical view. Now, we just found out marriage is anybody you want to cohabit with and exchange vows, I guess. I assume that will go on. Give a ring. And it doesn't matter the gender. Two men, two women. Gender no longer matters. So we know they can't fulfill the mandate to procreate, but they can adopt. And they do. Uh, marriage starts out this way. Genesis 2. It's not good that man be alone. I'm going to make him a mighty helper. I'm going to make a wonderful helper for man because I don't want him to be lonely in his earthly pilgrimage. Then he goes on to say, the man and the woman, they shall leave mother and father. They shall cleave to one another. They shall become one flesh. There was no one to make a vow. There were no public witnesses since God performed the ceremony. But as it developed, it became a public declaration that I am willing to leave, willing to cleave, and become one with this woman. Now, why is that necessary? Because we don't want bastards in the street. We don't want a bunch of illegitimate children running around that say, I don't have a father. I don't have a mother. There's just a couple that had sex, and I happened to be born. God didn't want that. He said, I want a commitment, emotional bonding. And then in Hebrews, he says, the bed of adulterers and fornicators is under judgment, while the marriage bed is a place of divine blessing. He, he honors that. Sex within marriage, in other words, has my blessing. You know, the sex act, whether it's adultery, fornication, or marriage, is pretty basically the same. So it's not just the act. It is the boundaries where the act happens. Is it within the context of a covenant relationship, or is it just sex anywhere, anyone, anytime? That's the Greek version, the Roman version, and now the American version. Sex is an appetite to be squelched anyway and quenched anyway without a commitment. So everything is going wild in the sexual realm. Uh, so what is marriage? Marriage is a man and a woman that make a commitment, the kind that makes them leave mother and father emotionally, hopefully financially dependent, to join this new union. And it's spoken for. The children within it are embraced, owned, and are not asking, who are my parents? That definition 
has been around, I'm sorry, since Genesis 2. By the way, hear me. Hear me. If you don't believe the first three chapters of the Bible, you can't believe any other part of it. It is the seedbed for the rest of what happens. Sin started in three, creation in one and two, and I'm going to be trying to plan some creation seminars that come to our church because that's another thing eroded in all public education. There was, don't take Genesis 1 through 3 literal. That's just a mythical story. It's Jewish fable of how we got here. No, no, no. And there's a denial even in theological seminaries today. Adam and Eve weren't the first couple. Well, who were? We take it literally. And we say a day is 24 hours, not an age. Morning and evening was a day, not an age. And, but that doesn't fit science. Who is science? We're talking about God. God said it. Well, we can't do it. No, we can't. But God can speak the word, and it happens. I know it's not in a test tube, but neither is your prof's brain which ought to be, pardon the hostility, but we're roasted all the time. I can't get in the paper. They won't publish what I have to say. So I have to speak here. The big issue comes along uh, after marriage, if you buy God's definition, what is permissible with, in our sexuality? Look at Leviticus, what he told Israel. Uh, chapter 18. Some categories, uh, are they valid or did they go away with Moses and whatever? And here he brings them into Canaan. Here they come, they're going to come out of Egypt. He's getting them ready for the land. But when he goes into Canaan land, they do everything. And God told Abraham, I'm not bringing you and your descendants into Canaan until the sins of the land are full and I kick them out. Because they're so gross, so bad. And so he tells Israel here, verse 24, Do not defile yourselves by any of these things. For by all these the nations which I am casting out before you have become defiled. For the land has become defiled. Therefore I have brought its punishment upon it so that the land has spewed out its inhabitants. But as for you, you are to keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not do any of these abominations, which is a strong, repulsive word that even has the idea, it stinks to me. It, it's nauseating to God. Neither the native nor the alien who sojourns among you. And he goes on about it being abominable. I'm going to spew you out. What was it they did that bothered God so much? Verse 6. He deals with incest. You shall not have sex with family members. Uh, and he goes down on that list all the way uh, to verse 18. Uh, he goes and tells them, other things, not to be having sex during the menstrual cycle of a woman in that era and for her own protection. 
You will not have adult, uh, intercourse with your neighbor's wife. This is called adultery. Ten Commandments, dear. You shall not do that. Uh, by the way, don't be giving your children to Moloch in sacred worship. I offer my firstborn son to a pagan sex god that's in the land. Uh, and then you shall not uh, lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Same sex, sex. Lesbianism, homosexual. Don't do that. You shall not have to have intercourse with an animal. What a wasted verse. I mean, most of you haven't had that problem. They had it in Canaan. It was predominant. Sex with goats was the common sin of Canaan. Sex. I, I had a pastor friend of mine that pastored in New Jersey, and he said, I could take you to places in New York City that they drove into where men have animals as roommates and engage in bestiality all the time. Just because you haven't been around it, he's warning. He's not, I don't want my people to have sex with animals. I don't want them to have sex with the same gender. I don't want adultery. I don't want sex outside of marriage. I don't want incestuous relationships and family members. On and on. Should we throw that out? Is our next legislative thing to say it's all right to marry your sister? Caligula, the emperor of Rome, married his sister. Uh, it, it's all right to be, have pedophiles. There are more pedophile clubs in the United States than you can imagine. I've read so much on sexual morality the last week. I'm buzzed by all this stuff. All these sex clubs with men and young boys, legitimate members, and uh, it's okay. Because, hey, uh, we don't need a consenting adult. We just need consent. What, what, is going to, what are we going to do if the Supreme Court says it's all right for a 40-year-old man to have sex with a 9-year-old boy? What would keep us from saying that's okay? If you want to do it, we'll make a rule that says you can't. So let me tell you, believers, it's not going to get better. They're going to legislate whatever they want to do. The issue for you, what determines what you will believe and what you will practice? And we will just become a greater greater minority. And so, uh, here's the big issue and where God is out of step. God has says sex that he made is wonderful in the confines of marriage, but all sexual activity outside of that violates his plan. And so, here's the conditioning in our culture. We can be outraged about um, the, the homosexual agenda. But we're, we're at ease with fornication. Uh, we're at ease, well, I, me and my girlfriend are living together. Or, uh, man, it's great in the dorm. I get to shack up with my girlfriend, live in the dorm. That's okay. That's not that bad. If you're, if you're a hearty, uh, viral male, you say, man, I, I wish I could have done that when I was 19. Because if you've done it and engaged, see, if you've been a womanizer, you've been with a lot of women, and you're a, you're a real playboy, you're a Hefner's partner, 
It's, it's legitimate. It's all right. And that's why everybody's silent about morals. Well, I did it. I practiced it. I was immoral all the way through college. I was immoral here. And forget what you did. What has God said? And so in our culture, you must know, you must know, let's not just pick on the gay agenda. We've got our teenagers from 12 to 14 are now involved in lots of sex. Our youth pastors counseling this church. We're dealing with young people and parents coming in or saying, I think my kids are homosexual at 14. Uh, my girl uh, might be pregnant. How old is she? 14. Uh, how long has she been sexually active? Since 12. Uh, how to, and all this so-called texting. Now they're sexting, sending naked pictures of their bodies to their playmates and all their friends. It is an explosion that all this technology they have give a 14-year boy an iPhone that learns to punch one button and see all the naked women he wants to see all day. We have unleashed an incredible weapon to destroy him. This is what's going on. I'm not talking about your generation. We're talking about what's going on with this generation. Sex, sex, sex. I just read in the uh, uh, Contra Costa Times, that booming international paper we take, <laughs> just a rag sheet, uh, that uh, I, some girls got upset. They said, we can no longer talk about rape. What is rape in this culture? And the girls came out running down, this young lady says, you weren't raped. When you accepted the date, you knew sex had to be a part of it. So there's no such thing as date rape. To say yes to the boy's invitation is to say yes to sex. And if you withhold sex, you're the one that violated the contract. And it's young ladies weighing in, taking on this gal for crying rape. Said, no, no, you just want attention. Think if your own peers would tell you, there's no such thing as forced sex. It's just got to be with the date. I recommend all fathers of daughters, lock them away to the 30. <laughs> but you lose your tax exemption at 18. Look at Romans 1. What are we to do? What are we to do? Chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That is the good news about Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. For in the gospel, the power of God for salvation is released. Well, to be sure, we do have a moral crisis on our hands. A Nation in Moral Crisis is the title of our series. And as we're seeing today, the answer is found right here in the gospel. In fact, that's the title of today's message, The Gospel, The Cure. This is Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard. Today's broadcast is taken from our series called A Nation in Moral Crisis. 
Now, if you would like the sermon today's message was taken from, without any obligation, just simply call and request it, and we'll send one out to you. If you'd like the entire series, ask for it by name, A Nation in Moral Crisis. And for a gift of $10 or more, we'll send this CD set your way. Please bear in mind that the resource materials and the broadcast here on KFAX are available through your generous donation, your financial partnership with us as we continue the ministry of the gospel again here on KFAX. So again, for a donation of $10 or more for this month, we'll send you the entire four CD set. It's called A Nation in Moral Crisis. Here's how to get a hold of us. You can contact us toll free at 855 833 9864. Again, you can reach us by phone toll free 855 833 9864. Or write to us 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Valley Bible meets here in Hercules, two services Sunday mornings, 9 and 11. Details and directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org. And we would invite you to stop by and pay us a visit. Other resource materials for your growth in Christ are available, again, at our website, valleybible.org. A bit more about who we are and what we believe are there as well. Again, that's valleybible.org. Drop us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit, electronically speaking. Again, that's valleybible.org. The phone number one more time, 855-833-9864. We do thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next time we get together here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Hercules.